welcome to another episode of the O3C podcast. We are two chaps based here at O3C Games. Chap number one is me, Jonathan Dunn. Chap number two is Christopher Dow. I'm here with a pair of Christmas socks. And we are going to be chatting about video games. Yes, we are. Announcement! Announcement! Good news, everyone! As of next season, you won't have to hear these ads anymore, because either enough of you will have started pledging for us not to warrant doing them, or we're just going to stop doing the fucking podcast. (laughs) Patreon.com slash O3C Games, O3C.Games slash support. That's right. Blackmail. <laughs> Gonna hold the podcast hostage. Got until the end of the season to cough up or this fucking show gets it right in the fucking bollocks. <laughs> so we're back uh, with another yeah. play date update. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to talk about this week's games. Uh, Spell Corked and Inventory Hero. We're going to dive into those, see if they compare to the last Playdate update. Absolute stellar twofer of Saturday Edition and Star Sled. But we've got stuff to talk about before we get to that. What are you buying? What are you playing? I'm going to tell you what I've been playing this week. I would like that. I'd like to know. Oh, good. Well, I've mostly just been playing a lot of Dead Cells. Ah. Yeah, I'm not going to keep you long talking about this because I have spent so, so many episodes covering so, so much of it. But I will say this. I managed to get to the end of a run with five boss cells active, which is the maximum difficulty. And I thought there was going to be a final, final boss at the end. But no, there was an entire other biome that I had no idea existed. So that was fantastic. And that's been great to explore. And then there was, of course, a final, final boss, which is really, really good and a brilliant way to cap off the overall story. But then all things, things aren't quite resolved after you do that. So it required a few more playthroughs to get the true, true final ending of the game, which I've now seen, which is just really, really cool. And now I'm basically just mucking about with different builds, doing runs to hoover up cells to unlock all of the stuff, which is is a lot of fun because I've been researching online some of the the best builds and combos and setups for like maximizing cell farming or trying to get the extra blueprints or unlock other stuff and it's meaning that i'm experimenting with some setups that i haven't tried before and using a lot of weapons and stuff most of which for the very first time because like in order for me to beat the game on five boss cells i basically had to double down on the build that i'd gotten used to yeah and like really honed it over 180 hours of playing jeez mm. so go. it's it's <laughs> it's nice to shake things up and see even more of what the game has to offer which is just an insane amount of customizability like i mean literally you can play this game in billions of different ways and it's just phenomenal and i just want to keep playing it I mean, I am going to keep playing it because it's such a nice, casual game. Love Island. Love Island's finished, mate. Although I am very, very much looking forward to Resident Evil 4 Remake coming out in a few days' time. As of uh, point of recording, I will hopefully be able to carve out some time to play that properly because, oh... Ooh, the reviews have been incredible for it, Chris. It's been very, very positive. It's been very positive. But there has been... Like, I read this stuff even though I've got no intention of playing it. Obviously. It's been strange to read the amount of people who acted like 
you know, it really needed modernised. Because as no, because as much as I don't enjoy the game per se, and I find it very hard. Some of the script does. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the actual core experience, you know, it was all designed purposefully to feel mm. a certain way. And to suddenly have people going like, well, you know, it's much better if we can just run about all over the place. It's like, well, it probably feels better to play that in 2023. Mm. But that's not to say the original was bad, because it was no. a conscious choice when it was made. And it produces a very specific feeling and experience. Yeah. I mean, it's not that long ago that I replayed it and it still feels incredible to play. It's a phenomenal yeah. game. Like Resident Evil Village felt very, very similar to Resident yeah. Evil 4. I mean, it's probably rose-tinted slightly. It's sort of, it plays how I remember Resident Evil 4 playing or whatever, that bollocks. <laughs> but I'm super psyched for that. But I have actually played something else this week. I have. What is it? Well, I made good on what I said last week, and I did buy Alwa's Awakening and Cathedral on oh. my Evercade. Oh! Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And after a year of gathering dust, I turned my <laughs> Evercade on. 68% battery. Unbelievable. I fucking Unbelievable. love these things. It's brilliant. I love these things. It's brilliant. It is off, off. It's not like it's in sleep mode, which yeah. more of which I'll come to later. <laughs> but it was nice that I didn't have to worry about finding the charger for it. But I have made a start on Alwa's Awakening, which is a really, really good little game. It is exactly what you'd expect from like an 8-bit Metroidvania. It's not actually yeah. too dissimilar from Astalon, Tears of the Earth. Yeah, yeah. Or Tears of the Earth, which uh, was... <laughs> 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 which was like 8-bit styled rather than an actual 8-bit game and given that i encountered several instances of slowdown playing astalon on the switch i'm not sure if it would actually run on 8-bit hardware yeah. even though it's not yeah. doing anything much more ambitious than is being done here in our and i know that our has got a switch port as well so i'd be interested to know how it plays as far as i know it has a modern version which mm. kind of looks like an 8-bit version. And then yeah. the version for the Epicade was a specific build for the NES, essentially, yeah. that has then been obviously ported to the Epicade and whatever else. Because it feels it, and I don't mean that in a bad way, uh, yeah. but it's, it's really nice that it feels it, and you get some of like the flickering sprites if they're overlapping, and, and yeah. just some of that sort of stuff that makes you just go, oh yeah, this is an old game, but it's really, really good. You've got your progressively expanding map, obviously. It's a Metroidvania. You're exploring with various roadblocks that you'll need certain items or abilities to overcome. There's combat to be had with the various enemies wandering around. There's lots of platforming challenges. There are fun upgrades and abilities to find. I haven't got my double jump yet, but I'm sure it will come. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. There's boss fights. There's secrets. It's just, yeah, it's a really, really nice little game. It's got a very good soundtrack as well, I must say. Yeah. I love hearing stuff that's been composed for the hardware rather than just like, generic chip tune music yeah. which i still love but like when you get it when it's been developed for some certainly some of these older systems there's a distinct lack of layering available yeah. to you yeah. so you have to just double down on the melodies and just get them really really right and it makes just some outstandingly fun and goey tracks goey goey that's my favorite adjective to describe music it. not everything is goey obviously no no but it's a very definitive thing it's the only way i can describe it and it's because i think i heard my mum say it once in the 90s <laughs> the only thing i would say is i do really wish the evercade had a sleep button so that yeah. i could instantly resume where i left my last gaming session like if you're a friend of mine on switch you'll probably see my name and online status popping up several several times throughout a gaming session yeah. i can attest on that one <laughs> yeah and like i'm not even blaming this on being a dad because like i don't play my switch when nora's around because i'm not going to compromise my attention when i'm with her 
but I think it's just the moderate amount of ADHD that exists in my brain in that ever-expanding cocktail of mental health ingredients. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I find playing my Switch or my Steam Deck, the reason why I can rack up so much playtime on a game is because I can play for 30 seconds or 30 minutes at a time. And I can squeeze a small bit of gameplay whilst I'm waiting for a video to render when I'm working, or if I'm playing in the evening whilst watching, you know, some crap on TV, I can quickly chuck my console down and watch someone cry on Love Island. But like, <laughs> as you've said before, like the instant restart of modern consoles is possibly the feature that is most hard to accept not being there when playing on something else. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, we've just become so used to it, even like being able to just shut the clamshell on your DS and open it later. Like, did the Game Boy Advance SP, I never had one of those, did that go to sleep when you shut it? I don't think it did. I, I don't think, think it, it just did. carried on playing, but just shut. The DS did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And it made a nice little noise as well. The DS, I'm yeah. pretty sure, did a little like, beep, or something when you shut it down. Probably. Woohoo! This is a callback. When I played Super Mario 64 DS, yes. on one of the mini games that was on that, it was like a Where's Wally, but with the Mario characters. Yes. And yeah. I just absolutely got the knack of it and was like, there's no way I can lose this. <laughs> so I was like, right, I'm going to get to 1,000. I got to 1,000, and then the counter carried on going. So I got to 10,000. <laughs> it maxed out at 9999. Yeah. But because of that, <laughs> I mean, that was hours, hours of play. But if you put the DS to sleep, if you shut it when playing Super Mario 64 DS, it would make a Mario sound. Uh, I think what I'm thinking of then is not that every game makes a sound, but maybe specific games have yeah. specific sounds. And I'm thinking of something I was playing. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Yeah. But the Evercade does at least allow you to use save states from within just the system's software. If you're playing a game that, you know, you need to take the edge off a little bit or if you want to put it down before you've reached a proper save point. So I've been using those to speed up my restarts a bit. And it's something at least. And I certainly can't complain obviously too much but it's it's mad how much one additional step is enough to put you off playing something and this is the same thing with vr yeah yeah it's why i don't play more of that because it's like oh i could do that or i could just literally my switch is right here and i could be playing dead cells like i could have been playing it by now yeah if i hadn't have stopped to tell you about it (laughs) but i'm trying to keep my evocator around with me so i can just turn it on and play a little bit even if it is just for you know, five minutes, save state. Because I would like to play through this game and I, w- I want to play Cathedral as well. Yeah, I do really like a console. I like how clicky it is. It's lovely to hold just those little chunky cartridges and just put them in the machine. I love a cartridge. Oh, it's just love great. love a cartridge. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. But that's me. On an Evercade theme, as mentioned last week, I am now in possession of the shiny new Evercade EXP handheld. Ah, yes, but... yes. How's that dead pixel? Ah... Oh. As you allude to, I'm going to save my proper thoughts on that for a week or two's time. Because frustratingly, my unit shipped with a single dead pixel, very much in line of sight. You know, if Mm. it was at the border, I could have been like, oh, you know, most games I won't even see it because it's kind of in the overspill area. But no, it's right in the middle. When I spoke to the support team, they told me they believed it was near impossible for the panels they're now using for this new model to have them. So I'm very fortunate. Yeah. But that means a large part of my current experience has been just a back and forth conversation to replace the unit. They are going to do that, which is oh, very nice Oh, that's really good. Fair play to them. Most companies today, if you have a single pixel out of place, would probably say, you know, that's within margin of error and apologies. Yeah. That's just kind of how it is. So, you know, they're not a big team, essentially. And I, I appreciate that, that I will hopefully have a shiny non-dead pixel unit quite soon so i'll let you know some of the games i've played soon i have been very tempted to get the new console but it doesn't have a sleep function either does it no it still doesn't 
It still doesn't. Honestly, if it did, I probably would have. Yeah. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Don't need it. But I would. But I won't. <laughs> but I could. But I could. <laughs> Do you want to know the one other game I have actually played this week? A real game. A big boy game. A big boy. Is it some, is it like monster trucks again? <laughs> monster Jam. No, it's not. It's, I've started Sonic Frontiers. Yay! I do not know what this game is. <laughs> like, I know you were super, super positive on the game overall. Mm. I don't feel after a few hours in at least that I can be quite as glowing. Okay. It's such a strange title. Mm. It really is really strange. I'll start with the stuff I liked though. You know, trying to be positive and pick up the things I really did enjoy. Sonic feels better to control here than he has in pretty much any other 3D Sonic game. By a long way. That's a good thing. You know, there's a lot of moves and modifiers that I found a little bit awkward to get my head around at first, but the core components of moving and boosting and attacking and turning all feel pretty decent. Whether you're in the open world and it's a lot more free, or for the most part in the cyberspace kind of challenge stages as well. So, you know, a big thumbs up there. The combat, as I just mentioned, it's something that's largely new to a Sonic game, to be honest. Mm. You know, we've had just a homing attack for a long time, but there is kind of proper combat with a variety of moves and combos and stuff in this. The homing attack is still doing a lot of heavy lifting, and fights often do feel a bit like kind of jumping, homing in, smashing a bit, dodging, jumping, homing in, smashing a bit. You know, it's got that sort of routine, but I feel that actually captures and updates a lot of what battles felt like in the 2d games you know mm. you wait for an opening you jump in you kind of establish where is the break in the enemy defense sort of thing and then you wail on dr robotnik's little ship or whatever so i like it i think it works quite well big encounters generally feel pretty good you've encountered big <laughs> i have but <laughs> <laughs> in this case grand encounters gotcha, gotcha. enlarged encounters <laughs> they feel pretty good and they're they're hardly shadow of the colossus star events because they still rely a lot on kind of soft quick time, essentially. Mm. Because even if there's not a prompt saying, press the button. You've got to press the button. Exactly, exactly. And the homing attack, as I mentioned, is the thing that you're always starting a combo with, pretty much. Mm. So it's very much like you're waiting to press X, as it were. They do feel reverent enough, though, to stand out. So that's another thumbs up. You know, I wasn't sure how that would actually work in the context of an open world Sonic game. Mm. But it's pretty cool. The music is, as you extolled at length, genuinely outstanding. Yeah. But it comes with some caveats, for me at least. The good, the sweeping orchestral score is beautiful. And the bouncy up-tempo vocal pieces that tend to accompany like the cutaway stages feel suitably sonic enough as well to fit the environments they're dumped into. Mm -hmm. At their best, the piano-led score, for example, on the first island almost reaches the heights that the sort of ambient motifs in Breath of the Wild yeah. achieved. Almost. And this is where the caveats start, and I begin sliding into the negative the vibe can so often just be really wrong because the the cacophony of sonic noises like the ring sound effects the spring sound effects the whooshing spin sound effect yeah they sound so utterly stupid over the top of this sort of score <laughs> and yet they're so so frequent yeah so you, you've got this lovely sort of like swelling piece of piano and then just boing 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 <laughs> all the time in the background <laughs> it's really silly like the, the first five minutes of the game when you have no idea where you are or what the controls do, there aren't any rings, there aren't any enemies. You're just tentatively running through little archways and around little sloping cliffs and crumbling columns. And I wanted to stand up and just give the game a big clap. Mm. Like it, it just felt so considered and particular. Sonic Team opening the curtain and saying, this is what we think 3D Sonic is in the 2020s. And I was like, cool, 
I'm in for a treat here. And then less than 60 seconds later, I'm being launched off a boost pad. I'm zipping along a rail doing fucking loops. And that ring effect, like I said, is literally ringing in my ears. And it made me feel really deflated. It was like, ah, oh, it's just not what I want. It's not the bit I want. Yeah. Like the deafness of those opening moments, the sense of place, haven't said that for a while, the sense of process and progress and the design of the world just blasted out the air with like a worm style bazooka it's just just not doing it properly you know it's a softly hovering zeppelin just shot through deflating like a fucking comedy balloon and then just being stomped into the ground this is what sonic really is and as much as this may be the best that sonic has been for years and years and years and years it's still i think being helmed by a team that does not know what to do with this character yeah. It's, like, it's like what is sonic yeah who knows what sonic is because i don't think sonic team do Another issue with the soundtrack is that, as beautiful as it is, it's static. So Breath of the Wild works as well as it does, I think, because the music is dynamic, not just in terms of volume, but in terms of how motifs are built up or withdrawn in real time. Like it's, you know, algorithmically done. There are systems in place that react to what you're doing and then deliver music as is appropriate. And that's been used in all sorts of games over the years, like early PC games at like Monkey Island, one of the first to do that. Rare games in the N64, like Banjo-Kazooie, used to sub in and out instruments as you went into different areas and things like that. And it's obviously used in stuff like 2016's Doom as well, to fade and blend sort of like the metal at times when that's appropriate, and then to withdraw to sort of ambient or industrial soundscapes when the action drops. Sonic Frontiers really feels like they're saying, we wrote a really good score, and we're just going to use it almost regardless of what you're doing. Yeah. So it plays over general exploration, great. Plays over puzzle solving, lovely. Plays over the ping pong, bing bong, auto running rail bits. Not so nice. <laughs> Plays over some enemy encounters, but not all of them. Mm. Plays over some of the in-game cutscenes, but not all of them. <laughs> like, it's all over the place in how it's applied. I've got the island themes on vinyl. Mm. In isolation, they are really breathtaking suites of music. I have it on all the time when I'm working. And the set comes with a set of composer notes from Tomoya Otami, the lead sound designer on the project. And he really carefully articulates how... The instrumentation and the structure of each theme is meant to reflect the landscapes that Sonic is running through and the sense of desolation and everything else. But this only works when you're stood still, <laughs> looking at everything around you. And as soon as the game has you hopping on rails like Tony Hawk, <laughs> you know, or completing odd minigames, the tone just starts feeling all wrong. Hand in hand with so much of this like aesthetic dissonance is the way I think that the game is built across two very distinct planes. So you've got the ground and you've got the sky. So I'm not even talking about the cyberspace stuff. I just mean like the open world bit. Mm. And the ground for me is the embodiment of what the soundtrack wants to be. So it's reasonably empty. There's these expansive playgrounds. You've got towering architecture of cultures past. You've got open fields to really let loose across with your boost feature and everything like that. And they feel really good. And you can really feel, I think, and trace a direct path between the concept art created for the game, the stuff that's on this vinyl box set and everything else, and the soundscapes. It all kind of fits that feel. But then with that, alarming regularity like i said you're boosted or sprung into the sky you're on floating platforms and physically impossible hovering grind rails and then with that beautiful soundtrack still playing you get locked into these kind of fixed cool camera angles almost like a wink to the camera as sonic is corkscrewing into the screen like a promo for a alton towers ride (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't feel quite right to me at all worse though than the feel of it is the look as the platforms and rails in the sky will literally materialize in front of your eyes you know sometimes you'll be on the ground walking backwards and forwards along the ground you can basically conjure and disperse all of the architecture Mm. at will in a way that i don't think i've seen since the playstation one there's no heidi heidi turok style fog even 
No. It's just a level of detail system that doesn't work. They haven't thought about how that works. And again, it rips you out of these moments of calm and tranquility because whether you're running at speed, whether you're walking kind of carefully, things are literally appearing yeah. and it just doesn't feel very good. Now, I'm playing on the Steam Deck. I wondered if this issue oh, was tied okay. to performance there. It's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I've watched footage of platforms going full David Copperfield on the PlayStation 5, <laughs> on the Switch, on the Series X. It's just either poor optimization on their core code base or you know something to do with, like I said, the lever and detail system is just not tweaked quite right. But for all these whinges, there is enough here, I think, though, to keep me playing. Yeah, I like the little island mysteries. I like, you know, those kind of scattered puzzle events that unlock more of the map. I do like collecting things, which means I'll probably persevere with enough of the stage in the sky nonsense as long as I'm being constantly rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as every platform I get to has something that goes and makes me feel good. Yeah. You know, I can kind of forgive the fact that I've been shot in a rocket to get there. Mm. I mostly enjoy the cyberspace levels as well that take mm. you back to previous Sonic stages. They're kind of short enough to encourage mastery and replay, just like little time trials. Yeah. And I've enjoyed kind of trying to get the full gamut of keys needed to progress the main story objectives, but also the ones I didn't really need as well. Just can I get more of them in one of these stages? Yeah. They're not perfect by any means. Like I'm still frequently getting launched off a ramp without any of my own controller intervention into just instant death. But again, that's the Sonic experience really, isn't it? The, the bottomless pits. Yeah. And as a spectacle, like a perfect 60 second run through one of these looks and feels amazing. Even if the hundred failed attempts at an S rank were perhaps less enjoyable in the time before. <laughs> yeah. But to get there feels good. It's just that the whole game has left me feeling confused, I think, and, and a bit annoyed. Like I said, it's like so close to delivering on something I really want. Yeah. And not quite doing it for me. Yeah. But that opening few moments, as I said, it had me really excited for something different. Mm. It felt like such a different take and vibe on open world play spaces. Mm -hmm. Because for years, open world games have just been variations of the hand-holding found in like Ubisoft titles, like Assassin's Creed, or on the other end of the sort of scale, maybe like the computer RPG style found in a Bethesda game, like Skyrim yeah. or Fallout. It's basically one or the other. In more recent times, we've seen a mad scramble for all games to now pivot to Breath of the Wild-inspired organic spaces, or the more claustrophobic environmental storytelling of From Software's games. And I think it's starting to now bear out in actually interesting ways. Like it's taken a while to get there, but you've had things like Elden Ring, obviously. You've had things like Death Stranding. You've had even things like Spider-Man that iterated on what came before, but in a more interesting way, even just by saying, well, now you're in the sky rather than on the floor. It's like they all take what we recognize as an open world game, but change it with a bit of their own flavor. And for the brief opening window of Frontiers, this felt like a team looking at all these things around them and then making something quite new. But, you know, after an hour of play, it was then patiently obvious that what we'd really ended up with was a Fisher-Price Breath of the Wild on the ground <laughs> with what feels like an old copy of Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast launched into the sky. Mm. <laughs> like, that combination is what's so maddening to me. Yeah. And honestly, it is more frustrating because of how good the soundtrack is. <laughs> because it really, really showcases this silly divide to me. Yeah. It's like, no, you've got some people on this team that are thinking we can do something different. And a huge part of this game is the feel and the vibe and the sound of the whole thing. Here's something beautiful. And then the actual gameplay designers are like, but springs, <laughs> we know you like springs. We know you like grinding on rails. <laughs> and I just didn't need that. But it does have Big the Cat. <laughs> it does have fishing. So there's it that. Does. It I does. I like a fishing game. I've yeah. almost beaten the first island fully now. Mm -hmm. It's taken about four or five hours, I guess, to get to that point. I've read that the second island is a bit of dip in care and quality. 
you know, very much a lead with your best foot sort of thing. But I will mm. reserve proper judgment until I've got there. I've got the big Titan to be on this island. And then I'll, I'll see when I get there and let you know. I look forward to your updates. Yeah. I definitely agree with some of these points. Yeah. And I'd totally forgotten. But when you mentioned it, I remembered within the first half an hour, I just changed the system settings and turned sound effects down. Oh, yeah, I should do that. Because it asks it's thinking, too much. Why, is this, why did that never stand out to me? Because that does sound really ridiculous. <laughs> when I realised how good the music was, yeah. I was like, oh, I couldn't turn it up, so I turned everything else down. Yeah, mute everything else. Yeah, basically, so I can hear it if I collect something, but I don't really want to hear it. The draw distance stuff, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't yeah. be an issue, but yeah. it is. Uh, but also, it didn't bother me that much. Yeah. I totally understand like the enigma that is Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, he doesn't fit in this game. Yeah. Even though I love Sonic, and I've played like loads of Sonic games, I think I just put the fact that it's a Sonic game out of my mind a bit. Yeah. There's a um, first wave of DLC for it it's coming out this week. What does that include? There is a jukebox mode, which allows you to choose from about 50 different Sonic tracks from previous Sonic Ooh. games to listen to whilst you're running about. There is a photo mode. I love a photo uh, that's mode. being introduced. Genuinely love a photo so mode. So that'll be fantastic. Also, the jukebox mode. In order to unlock the tracks, you have to go and find a whole bunch of hidden music notes around the island. So I'm going to love doing that. That's the bit I'll enjoy. Yeah. Like, that's honestly, I'll probably enjoy it more than some of the stuff that's there. Yeah. As, as the game. Love collecting stuff. And then I think there's an additional challenge mode where you need to play through several of the individual levels like in a row and like yeah. a boss rush and stuff like that. It's a free update. Yeah, the whole roadmap is, isn't it, for a change? I think it's so, all, yeah. It's all free. Yeah, which is really, really nice. It's why I've kept my copy, so I'm, um, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely be playing that. I don't know if the game's been patched much since I last played it, or if there's going to be a performance patch coming with this update, but yeah, I'm definitely going to be playing it this week. Yeah, there's just so many small things that would make it a better game. Mm. Like, it's not an irredeemable thing by any means, but I just wonder if they will take any of this sort of feedback maybe it's just me (laughs) maybe no one's bothered by these things no i don't think so i think that was like a fairly common sort of consensus was just like oh yeah yeah it's it's so much of that like what really is frustrating i think is if they'd really sat down and obviously they had a vision for this game it couldn't exist like it does now if someone didn't have a real idea of what they wanted this to be yeah and it just feels like whoever was trying to double down on that had a bunch of other people saying, yeah, but focus group said, we really like springs and rings. Mm-hmm. We really do need to make sure we've got a lot of springs and rings. And at every stage in development, I reckon it would have been like 90% open world, 10% springs and rings, 80%, 20%, 70%, 30%. Until it's just got to this point where the balance now feels, it's almost half and half. And that's yeah. too much. It's more of that than I want. But again, I'm sure some people, if you're a big Sonic fan, look at this and think it's a Sonic game that's not particularly broken. So it's immediately better than half of the collective oeuvre yeah. going backwards. Yeah, They're looking at it and thinking it's a Sonic game that's got some vision. It's got aesthetic choices in it that someone has made very deliberately, as opposed to some of the hodgepodge stuff we've had in the past. I don't know. It's a weird one. I'm going to keep playing it. Like It's I like making a PowerPoint presentation with the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, but then yeah. drive-by noise on every bullet point. <laughs> <laughs>
It's a play date. 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 Did you know the play date only has a bloody on device store now? Does it? It does. It got a little update recently. It's quite nice. It's one of the first major OS updates, I guess, for the play date, really, yeah. since launch. The store is called The Catalog. It's whimsical. Uh, I believe it's just called Catalog, but it's, it's cleaner. <laughs> the store is called Catalog. <laughs> it's whimsical. It's got nice music like the eShop used to have. Oh, remember the eShop? It's also slow as shit like the eShop is now. <laughs> yeah. What's nice, you turn the crank to make a purchase. That's very sweet. But you do pay in dollars and get charged US sales tax no matter where you are in the world. <laughs> Less sweet. That's grubby, isn't it? Yeah, with all this stuff, it's not perfect, but it is, I think, a step in the right direction. Yeah. Like we've said a few times, what is the play date going to look like post-season one? And I think this is a nice way of having a more curated feed of games than, say, it's.io, when anyone can upload yeah. any project. It also means no more sideloading for those a bit squeamish about faffing around in a console's back end. And most important of all, it means more eyes on titles like Bloom because they're going to get seen by regular people checking out the catalogue as well as kind of obsessives trawling through itch. Panic have also very nicely put two new games up for free, essentially extending season one by another week. Yeah. With games Real Steel, that's real as in fish and steel as in theft. That's the other way around to that Hugh Jackman film. It is, yeah, it is. And Recommendation Dog. Our intention is to stick these on the end of our playdate coverage this season. We will talk about these games. So hopefully some of you will stick around for thoughts on those in the future. Oh, yeah. For now, though, being men relatively poor in time and occasionally poor of pocket, I don't think either of us have played any of the new catalogue offerings. I've played all of them, mate. Paid or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Paid or otherwise. No. And as such, we are going to move back to our scheduled fortnightly coverage of the Playdate's first season. It will be exciting, though, to see what turns up on the little storefront going forward, though. Mm. Since all oh, games I, now mm. essentially need to meet Panic's own quality threshold, you yeah. can't just self-publish to catalogue. You've got to go through that process. So we'll see. But yeah, for this week, what are we talking about? Inventory Hero. Yeah? Speaking of Panic, it's only their next bloody own developed game to release oh, on the Playdate. Boy. Boy, oh, After boy. the superb Star Sled, which we covered in our previous Playdate update, our previous, our playdate play predate? No, postdate, date, plate? It's a plate. plate. <laughs> it's a plate. <laughs> How does Inventory Hero measure up to Star Sled? Well, you can't compare them. <laughs> Not too much, yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Although, this is quite a delightfully simple premise that they work into just a really fun score chase em up framework. Yeah. So, the conceit of this game is that you are dropped into a fast-paced role-playing game with your character needing to fight through dungeons, defeat monsters, slay bosses, and all manner of classic RPG things. But the computer takes care of the fun stuff, like combat and movement, allowing you to pick up the admin! <laughs> yeah, love a bit of admin. Oh, we love the admin. We love the admin. And the particular admin that you are in charge of is managing the inventory. Your character will automatically pick up loot and treasure as you find it. Different pieces of armour with different stats, different weapons, different potions, different items, rubbish, junk, rabbits, the usual. Uh, and it's, it's your job to sort out the, uh, the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> Did you write that phonetically? Yeah. <laughs> Two H's and an S. <laughs> <laughs> behind the curtain 
<laughs> because you only have six valuable inventory spaces and boy they will fill up quickly and picking up a seventh item will replace one of your other items at random so if you're holding on to a precious health potion to save you from a tight spot and you take your eye off the ball it's gone and it's quite simple to control there's a little window so you can see uh, the actual action that's happening your little chap or chapess or chaperone or chapotle just <laughs> trundling through a dungeon enemies coming in sword swipes all of that all of that stuff and then you use the playdates d-pad to navigate along your inventory slots and select one of them and one button uses the item and the other button chucks it it's very very simple so how do you use your inventory well glad you asked you've got five different armor slots that you can equip items to you've got your head your torso your shoe your trous and your shield and as you battle these defensive properties of these items will degrade breath of the wild it's the breath of the wild of the play date <laughs> and you'll be wanting to keep an eye on that and replacing you know those items when they're when they're gone or if you pick something up that's you know got a much better stat same goes for your weapon you can only wield one weapon at a time and uh, you don't want to be without one your health items range from small bits of food to full elixirs and even leaking potion bottles uh, that will deplete the longer they stay in your inventory then there's the rubbish. Sometimes you might pick up the, the classic apple core or a bit of shit. And you just need to get it out of there ASAP. And woe betide, you pick up a rabbit. Because oh, those things get on it very quickly. Yeah. And yeah. unless you chuck it out the door immediately, your slots are going to keep filling up with rabbits upon rabbits. I mean, literally rabbits upon rabbits. And it is a colossal nightmare. There is similar function, actually, with a mushroom item. Yeah that you may pick up except mushrooms uh, you can at least use to replenish health so you can actually use their sort of duplication mechanic to your advantage if you're in a bit of a pinch and this is the way it goes and you try and keep your warrior equipped as best as possible to get through as many levels as you can something i really really like is that there are loads of different types of armor that you can find and weapons as well like yeah. you get the classic fantasy pieces like helmets and bucklers and swords and spears and whatnot but you can also get like a pillowcase or a silly hat or a barrel or an umbrella and uh, depending on what you equip your little warrior trundling along in the scene above you has all this stuff on so you don't really get the chance to afford any many glimpses up at the action <laughs> yeah. but if you do it's often quite funny i think there is an end point to the game like it feels like it's ramping up for you to get to level 100 but i don't know uh, i think my best run ended at the boss at level 80 oh pretty good yeah i had a really good set of armor on and then i accidentally equipped a piece of shit not literally i chucked that but then i put on this really rubbish shield by accident or something and the boss just started taking huge chunks out of me and i was gone but yeah i like the concept i think it's really fun i like it when games kind of turn other genres on their heads sort of yeah. like how moonlighter did where it saw you like running a shop or that game adventure bar story yes do yeah. you remember that where yeah. you were like cool managing game. a pub in a fantasy rpg world the sort of pub that if you were playing like chrono trigger or something like that you would go to the pub and buy one beer and rest at the inn and move on you're running that pub i just really love that as a concept but yeah inventory hero i don't think it's quite as punchy as star sled yeah how did you get on with it during my first five minutes for the game i thought oh i think i'm gonna really like this and then 15 minutes into my first run i thought i think i've probably seen about everything this game is going to offer me now like I carried on going, but there was definitely a point where I thought I've sort of expended what I'm going to see that is new here. 
And I think there are flashes of real excellence. You know, there's good humor, I think, like you mentioned in some of the junk items, like the replicating mushrooms, the rabbits, stuff like that. It's quite funny. I think it's really sweet how the character takes on whatever armor sets you're throwing at them and has this ever-evolving instant change wardrobe. That's pretty funny. The art and music, I think, are really nice generally. Like It's got a nice UI. It all functions well. But once you've got the basics of like using and storing or discarding items, you've pretty much got the game. Like, yeah. There isn't anything else that's going to be introduced. And you can then get better stats by choosing armor and weapons with similar card suits. That's like a little tweak that comes later on. With experience, you're definitely going to start making better choices and probably will get further with each successive run once you learn where you need to dart your eyes to make more informed decisions about what to keep or bin. Because I made a lot of very panicky choices in the times that I was playing. But even then, on my first full attempt, I made it to about level 65, which is, you know, it felt like a pretty far way through the linear part of the game, if that's Mm. indeed how it works. And I didn't feel like I'd played particularly well. You know, I was Mm. just largely stabbing at whatever made its way into the inventory. Sometimes I'd equip items 20 levels below what I was already wearing, like a Burke. Sometimes I'd chuck away health potions because it looked a bit like an apple core. Sometimes I'd eat really damaging food because I just selected them in a panic. And yet I was still doing okay. Yeah. And it made me think that maybe the balance of the game in terms of difficulty isn't quite there. Because you're able to get out of a lot of situations just by using whatever you've got in your pockets and crossing your fingers a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, do you remember Meteos on the DS? Do you remember yes. that puzzle game? Very different game, obviously. It was like this stylus-driven puzzle game where you were rearranging stacks of coloured blocks and then launching them to the top screen with a swipe. But it gives me a similar feeling because as much as you could approach it very meticulously and believe you were being very good at the game, under pressure, you ended up just scrubbing up and down each pile, hoping for a match and then just launching whatever you've got to hand to keep your game alive. And sometimes that would be enough to get through a stage. And I do think Inventory Hero is set up to look more complicated than it is in the same way. (laughs) Like it's still a nice time, I think, for the 10 minutes you might have on a run or 15 minutes. But there isn't a sense of progression. Like there's no real RPG elements outside of the aesthetic wrapping. And even for me as the resident score-chasing arcade fan, I think it's a bit too imprecise and RNG-reliant to be something you can really improve your skills at that much to a point. Fish and Feathers, the game I've had on my playdate for a while now. 22 hours. I was going to say, I've played it for well over 20 hours easily, even though the core of it is just extending a rod to catch a fish. (laughs) (laughs) But I improve each time I play it because the game is really readable, the skills required to get better are very overt, and I think in most of the arcade games I really enjoy, like when I go to the arcade club in Berry, it's games like Time Pilot or Burger Time or Zookeeper. And they're all games that are very open with their systems, very open with their mechanics, so that every play you've got a chance to do better because it's all in front of you. And in the hour or so I put into Inventory Hero, I'd sometimes do better, but I'd sometimes do much worse, even if my skills and abilities didn't change. I just had a better run of luck. Yeah. And I think, you know, I might have got a better weapon, say, and they got multiple repair scrolls, meaning I could keep my damage output high. Or sometimes when I was getting pummeled, maybe I got lucky and had a run of three or four health potions back to back instead of garbage that would need binning. And it wasn't me influencing the game. It was just the Lords of Chance just throwing me a bone on that particular randomly generated seed. Yeah. So I think it's good. I think it's a polished game. I think it's a really nice addition. It's a good one to have on a device that you will often play for 10, 15 minutes. But overall, I don't think it's as strong in terms of how much I'd want to get better at it and I'd want to play again as some of the other entries. And certainly not as much as Star Sled in terms of balance and sort of just mechanical thought, I think, that's behind it. Yeah. I did think that it would be good if it had more of a roguelite element to it with some upgrades and stuff so that there was some... I mean, like I said, I don't know what happens when you hit level 100. It feels like that's where it's trying to get you to. 
I totally agree what you're saying with the sort of the RNG element to it. But I think that there is still almost like a sort of Twitch response level of skill of knowing what you've got and yeah. just not even checking, just being like bam, 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 bam. And I found that I'd get sort of into that meditative state where I could just, you know, like what's that? wood chopping game on arcade power wood gal oh, yeah wood gal yeah wood, where you're just going wood, left, wood right, left, right, left, left, right, left right left right left right left right left right or how you get when you're playing like level 99 billion on tetris yeah yeah there is just sort of like a boom 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 yeah. boom 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 that i sort of got to with it and that was really really fun but also annoying when then you do make a mistake and it costs you but then it's not one i'm eager to keep playing i'm, I'm not that worried if i never get to level 100 yeah yeah but I think it's good. It's a middle middle of the pack. Yeah. Up, uh, above, above, ab- mm, I don't know. Upper middle. Say. Upper, upper middle. middle. Upper yeah. middle. Upper and, middle. I, and I think it is worth noting that if it's a game that is essentially a score chasing game that has drawn you in, clearly it's doing something that will appeal to certain people. Yeah. You know, because as you've said before, you are not the person generally that is going to play the same level a thousand times. New. No. And the fact that you gave it quite a few runs and you made progress and you were improving shows that there was something in there that was saying this is engaging in a way and it is good for a brain like the brain of Jonathan Dunn. Yeah, I, I did two runs. <laughs> I did two runs and honestly, honestly, <laughs> honestly, my thought was, I reckon I can nail this. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't. And then I reckon I can throw the play date in the bin basically that that was when it first came out i did that one run yeah and then i played it again to write these notes and i was like i think i got it this time i think i got it this time i was getting up there and i thought if i don't get this i know i'm never trying again (laughs) but ignore everything i said then just scrap it in the bin scrap it in the bin anyway spell corked chris take your cork out and tell us about spell corks well spell corked is an interesting game i've played little to no cooking mama over the years <laughs> like only fucking note I've made <laughs> <laughs> I know that Georgia was a reasonable fan either via its entries on the DS or maybe the Wii but my sole exposure to the series was via the Switch version of Cooking Mama Cookstar and I bought that game mainly as a speculative purchase as at launch it seemed like the developer had created the game without the blessing of the IP holders <laughs> and, and it looked as if it would maybe recalled and destroyed and I thought that could be a good one to kind of like keep in the collection for financial winnings (laughs) but anyway despite some other twists and turns in that case relating to speculation that cookstar was actually a trojan horse title that was aimed to leverage switches worldwide as bitcoin miners Mm -hmm. i'm not joking like you can look it up the game never really rose in value but to be honest this is all just a roundabout way of saying the action in spellcourt is a kind of follow the prompt gameplay of cooking mama you know for better or worse if you've ever played one of those games and you thought Maybe if this had a bit more plot, a bit more whimsy, then Spellcourt would probably be for you. You're a witch. You've opened a new potion shop. You have to use the full suite of Playdate functions to mix up magical cocktails to order based on customer requests. And then you receive and reflect on reviews of your creations that get left on the in-game analog for Yelp called Welp. (laughs) For each potion, you have to carefully select ingredients from a growing pantry with choices expanding after each in-game day or Welp review milestone. Then you must use a combination of button and D-pad inputs, some cranking, and even a little turn of the device to trigger its gyro to produce nice little tinctures fit for your growing customer base. I think this game probably showcases the Playdate's inputs better than most games we've seen this whole season in terms of just variety. 
whilst also showing off the lovely high resolution display it shows off really nicely too the surprising audio capabilities of the play date mm-hmm. it, it shocks me every time that it's like it's got a good audio driver in there mm-hmm. you know it doesn't seem to have a limit on how much it can play and put out and really the limit is just what a tiny speaker can produce concurrently yeah but it's it's a nice little device the issue with a game like this though is that it's hard to find that much to say because i think it's a really strong game like the process of brewing each potion is fun each step is tactile the pestle and mortar the tipping process to bottle your brew but it's a game of just repeating those actions and unless i'm going to sit here and start spoiling the story or the dialogue there's not that much more to say about the central conceit as a comparison point i'm just going to keep bringing it up fish and feathers (laughs) (laughs) you knew how to play it immediately but i kept going back you know because despite having immediate influences what it did it did better than its competition or forebears Mm. and i've just kept playing it to turn the play date on it's usually on the screen frozen i just give it another go but something like spell courts once i'd kind of expended what it was and got used to kind of a few in-game days it was like yeah it looks nice and it plays nice but outside of those particular processes there's not much else you do to engage with the story it's just read the feedback you get it moves on regardless you can have a thousand one-star reviews and you still make progress through the game but because of that it's not really a game of score chasing it's just kind of gradual attrition that yeah you're always going to make progress just a little bit slower perhaps if you're not putting your a game into every potion bottle so the content is just there to be unlocked gradually and that's quite nice i guess to have something to just pick through uncorked (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah for me it, it got to a point where i was like I'm getting mildly better sometimes. Sometimes I'll fluff a potion and it's frustrating at times to think, ah, that's going to be worse now. I'm not, I'm not going to get the same review. But equally, the day just passes on and you, you carry on achieving as it were. Yeah. But yeah, how did you find Cookie Mama Cauldron Edition? Yeah, I, I, th- I, thought, it was, I thought it was nice. It nice felt... is the word. I think nice yeah, is the word. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It reminded me of a, a little bit of a few things, Cooking Mama being, being the main one. Yeah. Initially, it felt a little bit similar to Demon Quest 85 in its yeah. setup. Because yeah. it sort of uses code words for things. So it'd be like, oh, we need a spirit potion. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I need to remember that spirit is the... I need this ingredient for... Yeah. That's what spirit is or whatever. And then knowing sort of like the right things to do to get the right strength for the customer. And then, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's got a little bit of a hint of bloom to it where... Yeah. This overarching story, you know, that provides like the narrative arc over the top of, you know, this sort of fairly gentle gameplay. But obviously it doesn't have anywhere near the refinement of Bloom's narrative at all or the interactivity of it. There's nothing like that here at all. In Bloom, you know, there wasn't really much gameplay to it in terms of like buying your flowers and sowing them and watering them and, and, and picking them and stuff like that. You wouldn't play a game that was just that. Yeah. Yeah, it had to have the other thing. It had to have the other thing. But you're happy to do that stuff to get to the next bit of story or to be like, oh, okay, I know I can do that because I can get to this. There isn't that in Spellcorked. It is just... And it's it's nice. The gameplay is nice. But like you said, it doesn't doesn't (laughs) take long. It's nice. (laughs) It's nice. (laughs) But it doesn't take long before you're like, yeah, okay, I know what this is going to be now. And what's next? Put the two games together from this week. Imagine that. Smash together like the active playing of Inventory Hero yeah, with a sort of story that has a sense of progression where each day your person mm. comes back in, they've been sort of duffed up at level 65, they're going to do better tomorrow, bit of dialogue around how you've done. I think that improves both games. I think you're right. You know, and even if you want to keep all this kind of direct input of kind of making something, mm. make some of the potions you take as your starting items for the next day. 
or something. There we go. Look at that. Look there at we that. go, Chris. This is easy. Making games is easy. All in all, it's a, it's an okay week, isn't it? Yeah, it's slightly above average. It's like a yeah. six and a half out of ten overall. Yeah. So. so there we go. That was our play date update. Uh, have you played Inventory Hero and Spellcorked? Uh, let us know. Chat to us on social media at O3C Games and everything. Get in touch. Let us know what you're playing on your play date. Let us know what you're playing not on your play date. We'd, be, we'd love to know. Our next play date update in two weeks' time is going to be covering the next two games of season one Snack by Stfj or STFJ and Sasquatches by Chuck Jordan. Don't know anything about either of those games. Look forward to playing them. Look forward to talking about them yeah. as well. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be back with our inter-rim episode. We're going to be telling you what we've been playing over the next week. I imagine that I'm going to be updating you on what I've been playing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Literally. Although, apparently, they've replaced that voice actor. That's sad. It is sad. I don't know whether or not that's true. I don't know whether or not it's somebody doing the same style. I'll let you know. That'll be what I'm going to lead next episode with. It's yeah. It's going to be the big, the big conspiracy. Top of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Big news. Number one. In the meantime, you can chat to us on social media individually at Jonathan Dunn at Chaz underscore Hodges and uh, yeah have a good week have a good week play some games enjoy them and enjoy each other good night bye